I'll be reading from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, and then starting in chapter 21 through 22. You don't have to turn there, it'll be up on the screen. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the light, its light, or by its light, will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And the gates will never be shut by day, and there is no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Heavenly Father, thank You for coming, sending Your Son to come and redeem us from all nations, all peoples, all languages. Thank You for looking past our filth and choosing to love us. Help us be more like you. There's a world that is scared right now and they may not even know that they're dying and going to a place that is an eternal abyss apart from you. Help us care more, love more, and go more. Guide us. I pray for Sandeep as he presents this scripture this morning that you will open our hearts where your Holy Spirit touches in ways that will help us to serve you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This Christmas break, we decided, as our family decided to watch Star Wars. <laughs> Episode 1, 2, and 3. And if you have watched it in the chronological order, you would be disappointed after Episode 3. <laughs> as my children said after the third episode, it's so sad. <laughs> Only that it is not sad because the previous Christmas break, we watched episodes four, five, and six. <laughs> and so if you watch it in the order of the release dates, you are not sad because you already know what the future looks like. Um, when you know what the future looks like, in all that we do, there is hope and meaning in it. And that's why it is important for us to always be reminded what our future looks like. And what we read right now was the scene of the future assembly, the future church. Uh, this is the future city, the future world to come. And so, keeping this scene in mind, 
Uh, all that we must do should be consistent with this particular uh, scene in the future. Um, future worship scene in the mind. When we think about the future worship scene, what, what does it come? Uh, we, we saw over there um, every nation from all tribes, all peoples and languages. Uh, it's just it's a small, this is the best I could get from the internet, of, uh, uh, you know, uh, except that I don't think there will be any political nation's flag over there. Uh, I'll talk about that later. It is towards this future where we are moving towards. Uh, therefore, our ministry, all that we do must be intentional towards reaching to that ultimate vision that God has given to us. As much as I like expository preaching today, I wanted to do something different and instead speak on the topic of the biblical basis of cross-cultural missions. The reason is, since we, we have been involved in international student ministry, I thought it's good for me to revise back what is the, what is the foundation for that kind of thing. And so I thought that uh, let us be encouraged this today through, through the scripture as a whole uh, to see the biblical basis of all that, that we do. Um, this is what we, we, we read through. The focus was every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. So the first reason uh, is, is, the first reason is this, that our eschatology is cross-cultural. If we see these words over there, uh, every nation, all tribes and people and languages, this is one of the most inclusive group we can ever see. These words are not merely synonyms, uh, you know, just indicating that all, all racial groups will be present there. Uh, more than that, these, these terms show the, the, kind of, the kind of unity and diversity that is before the throne of God. Uh, all kinds of people, people who do not look and live like I look and live, you know, people from all different strata of the society, rich, poor, homeless prisoners, all kinds of people you can imagine and who have been saved by Jesus Christ. Uh, one thing, one commonality is everybody is washed by the blood of the Lamb. One more important thing to observe here is that uh, they are... Yeah, they will, they will still be, there, there will still be diversity, and that's the beauty of it. it so our diversity is not going to be eroded. Uh, it's not mentioned as just one homogeneous group of people. It is all, all diverse. The identity which we have is preserved over there. Uh, uh, Christopher Wright writes like this. I, I quote, he says, the image we might prefer for the Bible's portrait of nations is not a melting pot in which all differences are blended together in a single, into a single alloy, but a salad bowl in which all ingredients preserve their distinctive color, texture, and taste. Uh, the new creation will preserve the rich diversity of the original creation, but purged of the sin-laden effects of the fall. 
I must say I don't like salads, but you know, you understood the spirit of it. No people will ever be marginalized again. No ethnic group or race will ever be discriminated against or fear of for its place in the larger community. No ethnic group or social strata will ever again lord it over another. That's, that's, that's a quote by Werner Meshe. Uh, so we see over here that kind of diversity. We see over here uh, they all are harmoniously worshipping God the Father, Son the Lamb. No one is out of step. Everybody is in sync over there. So that's what we see. Diversity retained. Equality is maintained. Harmoniously synced. And they all are united in worshipping our God. Uh, that's a beautiful scene, just imagining that uh, a Jew and a German, an American, an Iranian, a Russian, an Indian and a Pakistani all together uh, worshipping our Lord together. And in fact, that scene is not simply reserved for the future, but we are working towards it. That should be our church. And that should be our church. Our church is to portray our future eschatological hope. Because what we present as heaven should be seen among us. Um, churches are meant to be people from different nations, from tribes and peoples and languages. So I, when I look around and see from people from different backgrounds coming together and worshipping, that, that really thrills because that is the direction of our eschatology. The second thing is, the historical mission of God was cross-cultural. Um, very beginning, in the beginning, when, when God called out Abraham, we, we see that he said that, in you all, he said to Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jonah was asked to go to the Nineveh nation, Esther to the Persians, Daniel to the Babylonians. Israelites were to be a light for all the nations. You can see the mission of God for all the nations. And then we read in the book of Ezekiel, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her. And Isaiah says, in that day Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. All of these nations are in the plan and the mission and the purpose of God for his glory. The third thing we see is that the great commission of Jesus was cross-cultural. We read over here, um, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then even when we see the beginning of the church, it says that but in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when, you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's where I want to make, observe two important things over here. Talks about disciples of all nations. And talks about the commission is for making disciples of all nations. And 
to the end of the earth. Um, if you do a small word study of nations, and things have been so easy because of Logos software, in a matter of few minutes you can do many things. It's so interesting. Um, we see over here that the word nations is from the Greek word ethnos, which means, uh, it, you know, it, 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 what are the types of senses it has been used in the New Testament? It's Gentiles 117 times people group, uh, social, social people group 47 of, one, of 165 times, and again, as a people group one time. So, uh, and if you look at the book of Matthew specifically, Matthew uses it for Gentiles eight times and people group, uh, that's again, social people group seven times. And this is the definition we, we get from, uh, from BDAC, which is one of the very reputed Greek lexicons. It says, a body of persons united by kinship, culture, and common tradition, nation, people. In all cases, it does not mean the idea of today's political nations. Uh, if you want, you, there are, there's always been debates on these circles, you know, how to use that thing. Uh, it could generally be used as people, it, if you want particularly used as people groups, uh, but in no way it mentions today's political nations in such, you know, in other words, it does it is, it is not talk about, it does not talk about the US, the Canada, or the Mexico, or the Republic of India, or you know, Pakistan, or any man-made national political boundaries. Uh, it means largely people groups. It means people, people. Uh, interestingly, the Indian Bible translators use the, for the word uh, nations, they use the word jati, which means community or castes. Uh, and when they see the Greek word ethne, that is the thing that comes into the mind. Um, I just want to illustrate what I wanted to really convey to you all. This is the political map of today. Look at the nations over here. Uh, 195 recognized sovereign states. Depending on the definition of nations, again, there could be as less as 193 or even as 253 countries if you add or subtract those recognized by UN. This is the world political map today with the idea of our present political nations. This was the world maybe 150 years back. You can see here that some of the things which we talk about Today's countries, our nations, are no, long, are no longer there over there. Um, let's go back. 16th or 1555 world political map. I don't see the United States of America here. Go a little bit back. World in 900 AD. World in 700 AD. World in 300 AD. This was the first century. What I want to make us challenge is political lines change. And so when our Lord said, go and make disciples of all nations, what was that nations? 
nations are i want to challenge this that the nations are not the the nations states which we today see from our 21st century you know drawing man made lines over there nations are ethnic people people groups uh there's a study which estimates that there are around 6500 people groups across across uh, the world 2500 of them are from india alone our god is in love with the nations and when you say nations our god is in love with not man made nations but god made nations the diverse people he created our god created the people we saw from every nation every tribe language this is his creation and he is in love with his people and so i'm i'm, I'm glad that we need to have that 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 idea when we talk about when we talk about uh, the nations when we talk about people groups i just want to give a small example since i come from india and uh, just want to give an example of what we understand by people groups uh there is first of all uh when 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 i look at india and when uh, when somebody else looks at india it's it's a very huge difference uh because for somebody who's not been to india or who's not exposed for him india is one nation but for for uh, for me i can see it a nation with many na- nations people groups there population of 1.3 billion people but these are not one homogeneous set of people there are nations which is estimated there are 2500 people groups having different languages there are 236 languages 22 official languages there are yeah it's around 20, 2376 people groups there is no language called as indian similarly like there is no language called as an american right i have met countless people coming and ask me and saying do you speak indian <laughs> or do you speak hindu hindu is the name of a religion there is no language called as christian right <laughs> in fact a fun fact when me and my wife met guess what was the common language it was english you see comes from a different part of india i come from different both two different cultures completely different language so the the only way we could communicate was english i'm talking 10000 or 9000 miles from here <laughs> i wanted to give another another important statistics just just to just to expose how beautiful is this diversity and and when we talk about people groups when we are how to be intentional to reach out to people uh in india 70% of christians are from the so called low caste background you might know that india is a the hindu society it's largely dominated by hinduism and hindu is a caste based society a hierarchical caste based society um in the 18th 17th 18th century because of the protestant missionaries and many catholic missionaries many people of india from the low caste hindu background they converted to christianity uh because they they felt liberated they they accepted jesus christ you know that no longer that for that they wanted to take that oppression and uh 
But because of that, what happened largely was Christianity was not successful in penetrating into the, the upper caste people groups. Uh, and in India today, today in Christianity is considered to be a religion of the low caste. And there is a huge caste animosity. People don't even kind of, you know, exchange water or drink because of this, you know, caste. So it, what happened was that the Christianity became concentrated on certain people groups. And that's why, you know, 70%, it's a huge number, 70% of Christians are from the lower caste backgrounds, so-called lower caste backgrounds. But it's an interesting statistic, which I came to know after I came to the U.S. In the United States, 90% of Indians who come to the U.S. are from the upper caste backgrounds. So when I meet the students, the international students whom we minister to, they are from those people groups who are least reached back in India. Isn't that the beautiful way the Lord works? The, the people who are, were not reached back in their own hometown, God brings them over here so that they get to know them, they get to know Jesus. Because when they come over here, things change. They become more, more vulnerable. And I say vulnerable, what does it mean? A simple example is one US dollar is 75 Indian rupees. It changes the entire equation. Um, back in India, if I was asked, if, the, if these set of students, if I asked them, we, you know, first of all, they would not really entertain as much. But if you ask them, what do we pray for? They have nothing to be praying for because they have everything there. I mean, they're from, what can you pray for me? You, you are from a low-caste religion. You, you, what can you do for me? But come here, they have needs. They are vulnerable because they, they need accommodation, they need travel, they need a lot of things, a lot of things. And when we serve them and show them the love of Christ, they're able to see that. Uh, and so this is, this is just one of the examples I was giving about the International Students Ministry. Uh, I just came to know this. I was exposed to just in 2017 when I came here and went to UTD one evening because the DTS library was closed. And so me and my friend went to UTD and I, as soon as I entered, I, I, I thought of whether I'm in India. I have so many faces over there. Um, and so over the period of time, we were able to minister to these, this particular people group through, through hospitality, through, you know, through various things uh, which in between, we have been updating over here. Um, we have a home group and what every other Friday, which meets at uh, Robert and Adria's place and uh, where we host the international students. Uh, for them, it's a big thing because they all live in a small cramped apartments and to come out of a house and to, to have that evening and they, we, there's a, they probably provide a forum for them to listen to the to, to the message of, you know, the story of Jesus, you know, what he has done. So, you know, 80% of international students have never been to an American home. And you invite them, they will surely come. Uh, this is just one story of a, a, a you know, a story of 
a young man and had changed his name is Ved, who came to the U.S. a few years back. He became friends with uh, one of our colleagues, and um, he came from a priestly Hindu caste. And uh, he used to come for all the events. Over the period of time, he, he appreciated what, what we are doing and why we are doing these things. And like the motivation is purely love of Christ. And uh, he became a devout Christian. He is back in India. But he is a part of a church over there and he is ministering to his people. Priestly, upper class people who traditionally people like me would not be able to directly be you know, able to, to minister to. Uh, so there, there are many stories such like this you can go on and on. Uh, but I want you to I want to just say this is one of the, you know, uh, there are a lot of opportunities that comes here. Like just for example, we, 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 uh, we, we invited a few students at our place and, uh, and uh, after the dinner we just had a small talk and I just, just said, I'll just read out. I just read from Ecclesiastes about the, 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 the idea of time and, uh, and the next day morning I got this message from him. He says, thank you for hosting us. Uh, really enjoyed it. I'm on my way back to Atlanta now. Hopefully, we'll come back soon. I keep iterating the paragraph you read after dinner that day. The one on timing. That there's a time for each and everything. Can you share the link or that paragraph with me here? I did not. When I read it, I did not say this is specifically the Bible or all these things. I just And, and then I, now I, he asked me. I, have a, I, I just gave it to him. This is taken from, I gave the link of the Bible. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities that God, that can be used over. That was I was just giving an example of one country, uh, but almost all the nations are present here in the United States, and most of them in a university campus. You know, this is the 1040 window which you are seeing. The 1040 window is a rectangular area which you know comprises of those nations. Uh, between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude, it, it's often called as the resistant belt for gospel, which includes majority of the world's Muslim, Hindus, and Buddhists. The least reached nations and the most close nations or the most severely persecuted nations. But guess what? You go to the university here, nearby university, they are filled with international students from these nations. Almost all of them are present here. Uh, there are around 9,000, simple example of UTD where we are serving, there are around 9,000 international students over there at UTD. And open, open Doors uh, every year brings out a report, World Watch report, Open Doors USA, and it, it's, it, it ranks the countries based on the, the persecution level. I just took out courses the first 20 countries, the top 20 countries, and I just correlated it with the international student population across U.S. And it seems that nearly 60% of international students in the U.S. are from the top 20 most persecuted nations. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us. And I just want to bring back to this, the previous slide where we, where we left, making disciples of all nations and the end of the earth. And that's why cross-cultural ministry brings both of these together 
in your neighborhood. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, at one point, there, there is a lot of opportunities to serve in different parts of the world. But not everybody might be able to do that. Or, but, but everybody will be able to do in your neighborhood. If we are being intentional, if we keep our eyes open, uh, you know, this is in, in John chapter 4, after Jesus' cross-cultural interaction with the Samaritan woman, when his disciples come, he said this thing to them, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Uh, we just need to open up our eyes and see. In our neighborhood, what kind of things we could be doing? You know, there are some of these verses uh, which talks about God's care for foreigners and strangers. It says, when an alien leaves with you in your line, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself. I am the Lord your God. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me. Tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of these of these." Brothers of mine, you did for me. Again, in Hebrews, it talks, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Uh, it's a, hospitality is a different topic in itself. But what I wanted to see is that there is, there is a lot of opportunities around us. And who are today strangers and foreigners? You know, There are displaced people, people who have been forced to live out from their homes. Uh, maybe due to violent war or conflict or a natural disaster. Uh, in, 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 even in domestic context, these people could be not necessarily be foreigners, but people who are homeless or, you know, people who, who are displaced out of their own home. And I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad a few weeks back uh, our elders brought up the, you know, talked about the serving uh, within our, you know, body people who are you know, homeless, or I'm so glad to, to listen to that and uh, to know that right now when we are all here, a uh, few of them are ministering to our dear brother who are in some different context or situation, and that's, that's exactly what a church should be. I praise God for that. You know, in, in Hebrews 13, 3, it says, Remember those who are in prison as though in, in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. People from all different backgrounds and Context, being saved, being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a part of one body, and we need to intentionally be reminded about that. You know, re uh, refugees, not very far from here, it's a huge settlement, uh, and there's a lot of opportunity. Free people coming from so different places who have been forced to leave their nation due to violent conflict or war, you know, migrants, immigrants or asylum seekers, there are so much of, so many kinds of people, you know, I just talked about visitor students, so there are, there are a lot of, lot of such kind of things. Uh, when we look at this whole idea of ministering to the nations, you know, it's, it's, it's so much deep rooted in the scripture. Uh, you know, the table of nations, you know, uh, where did this, you know, when we talk about the Tower of Babel, you know, Genesis chapter 11, you know, it, it, it talks about this was, what was happening over there was one language, one location, one name for themselves, 
one people this was in direct contradiction to genesis 126 the command given go fill and subdue the earth uh, inhabit the lands god has created for them it was a direct disobedience of that and so god made these different languages and it was all in the purpose of god it was not a curse it was all in the purpose of god to see the, and to see the beauty of that how working out we see in 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 revelation in the new city where we see every nation it's now multiple nations all tribes all kinds of peoples in all languages isn't that beautiful you know when we look when we when we look see from the scripture the the yeah, the from the tower of babel the tower itself is not the, the tower itself was not the the sin in it but the whole idea of doing and making a name for himself myself and that's and they united together unity is not always good <laughs> unity for the glory of god is good but unity for my own name and you know unity for my own my language my name my location my people no the bible talks about you know the, the the vision that we have been given is a glorious vision where we are all worshiping god every nation all tribes all peoples all languages you know during the wednesday morning the sermon discussion meeting i, I liked when um, brother tom just put this idea saying that the road is narrow and few but in spite that there is more and more people from different nations in that um brother jim uh, reminded and encouraged saying that god is building his church in spite of what is going all around us do we just want to sit by and watch him build the church or do we want to participate in that great great task let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this wonderful time and thank you lord for this beautiful reminder again to see our future hope and to see our future worship to just have a glimpse of that that all people all nation or tribes and languages worshiping together in harmony in sync in unity in equality in that's amazing lord and we pray lord god help us that all that we do may be intentional towards that vision which you have given to us help us that we will be able to interact and lift up our eyes and see around us whom we can serve whom we can love and whom we can show the love of christ we pray that you will bless us and in the coming days uh show us and help us to be interacting with people who do not always look and talk like us but in diversity help us to to give glory to your name in jesus exalted name we pray amen